Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Michael. This is music from people I know. And today my guest is uh, Rhymewave, also known as uh, Casey O'Kane. Um, he's done a bunch of material. He's been around for... I don't know, at least eight to eight years or so, right? Yeah, I've been making music a long time. <laughs> yeah, a long time. I I know you've uh, you've done a lot of stuff. You got a bunch of material on, on uh, SoundCloud and on uh, on uh, Bandcamp. Sorry. Um, so, you know, I, when we first met, I thought you were more of a, a technology guy. You like lo- you you were like big about the technology. You liked having. Uh, you know, when you played, I think you had Ableton going and like your your MPC uh, or APC going, and uh, you actually MC'd and DJ'd your own tracks, which I thought was uh, quite impressive. Um, so, well, what's your view? You. What's your views on uh, modern technology and music? Modern technology and music, uh, I think it's enabling a lot more people to make music. I think now with uh, an average, you know, new computer and some basic programs, anybody can become a musician. And that's kind of a cool thing because back in the day you had to afford instruments and assemble a band and pay somebody to record you. And now it's a lot easier for people to create music. So I think that it kind of explains the influx of electronic music we're seeing because so many people have these programs, but also it's just because it's so much easier for people to make music now we're getting a lot more of that so i think we're kind of seeing like the the future of the one-man band because now with uh technology it is potential or it is uh you know potential for somebody to literally play every instrument and not only create the music themselves but record it so on some level that's kind of what i've been doing is trying to utilize technology to my benefit to make the best music i can on my own and uh, at the same time, trying to network with others. But I think it's cool that technology enables us to, to be so uh, versatile and independent on our own with, with sound. Yeah, it seems like uh, I was listening to a lot of your tracks and uh, it sounds like you like to use a lot of really cool sounds. Uh, it sounds like you do some sampling. Where do you uh, find your sampling from? Uh, so most of the stuff in my music is uh, coming from logic or i have a couple vsts um but most of the stuff is just being played through a midi keyboard the stuff that i'm actually sampling is usually like movie quotes and stuff like that so yeah a couple of my songs will have just little quotes from some of my favorite movies and stuff like that uh trying to think of trying to think of one of them um it's it's almost more fun if you just kind of listen and try to figure out what it is they're all they're all pretty short and always quick, and they're that all, always the like right at the beginning yeah yeah on some level i've got a couple new ones for for the new album coming up too but i think it's fun to do that and I've, i'm also a movie guy i studied film in school i've loved movies all my life so it's cool to be able to just take like a little slice of that and put it in i think it could also serve as like a nice like uh, metaphor for the song sometimes that's one of my favorite things when i you know i hear like a cool 
concise quote in a song that really sums up the idea of the song. Um, or if it's just funny, sometimes that's cool too. Throw a little, you know, humorous voice in there. So uh, when you when you get ready to start putting together a song, what's your uh, songwriting process? Um, usually I start off with the drum beat just because I'm making hip hop music and you kind of need that steady rhythm. Um, even though I start with drums, that doesn't necessarily mean the song's gonna start with drums. It just kind of helps me get the creation process started. But um, usually I'm starting with a drum beat and then I work into either piano, bass, or some kind of a synth. Um, I like to keep it in the beginning to, um, you know, a couple classical instruments. Like I don't typically start with like a synthesizer. That's usually something I layer over the top, kind of start more with like a, a piano or bass backed drum beat. And, you know, it's different every time. It's kind of like you just go wherever the wherever the music takes you, wherever the inspiration takes you. Sometimes I'll spend a really long time developing the drum beat in the beginning and trying to create it myself. And other times I'll just take like a sample drum beat and just throw that in the project because I just want to get started. But um, eventually I'm trying to transition to making my own drums. That's kind of the one thing that I'm still sampling from Logic. Um, and trying to kind of cut them up and chop them up and add filters and effects and make them sound different. So it's not just like the straight logic sample drum beat, but eventually I want to make all my own drum beats. I think that's got to be like the eventual goal. It's just, it's fucking tough. Like drums compared to just laying down a little piano line is it's way right. different creating a complex drum beat, especially with like electronic music and, you know, hip hop. And some of my stuff even gets a little bit into like uh, the trap, the trap type drum loops within Logic. And those are not super easy to make either with some of the real fast, like rolling hi-hats. And I'm sure I could teach myself to do it, but uh, yeah, that's the one thing that I'm still kind of sampling. And then I guess to expand on your question, like my, my songwriting process, uh, you know, sometimes I'll crank out a song in like a day or a weekend, and sometimes it'll take a week or a month. But I find that some of my best stuff comes in like a short period of time. Like usually if I'm spending too long on a beat, it, it feels forced. You know, if I'm like just working right. on it an hour here, an hour there, like over the course of a long period of time, like my favorite beats are ones that I made in like a weekend or like a couple day period where I'm just like working on it all the time for like a couple days and really excited about it. And you know, you're onto something when you're like excited to work on the project, right. you know, when, yeah. when you open it up and you listen to it, you're like, Oh, I got something to add. And, um, I've been able to get into that place, you know, from time to time. So that's, that's cool. But I, I always tell people the, the beats are super fun. Like I love making the beats. It's just, it's joyful when you get to sit down and, and make those things, the writing, is challenging it's it's more intricate it's more like you're thinking you know it's, it's, it's fun stressful. for sure it's, i wouldn't say stressful I, I don't i definitely i wouldn't keep doing it if it were stressful it's, it's soothing right. it's, i've always okay. even if i'm not writing rhymes like when i was a kid i used to write in a diary or write stories write screenplays you know i've always been a writer um so yeah for me that's cathartic the the act of writing is is definitely a good thing but it's different in the sense that beats are more like you don't have to do as much hard thinking like rhymes you kind of like get into these moments where you're like really thinking and that's yeah, the fun beats like that's a cool. feeling right yeah yeah you're, you're definitely just kind of like, like a... going with the flow which you do that sometimes with rhymes too like some of my favorite rhymes are more simple where i'm not really like searching for that you know really crazy complex rhyme but i'm more just kind of like 
going for a certain feeling in the rhymes and you know i don't i don't worry as much if i'm just rhyming simple words because um it's not necessarily about that in the song but then there's other parts of songs where i'm really trying to achieve you know complicated rhymes and more wordplay type stuff so i try to i try to do a mix of the two because i think that if you just do one or the other then you're gonna lose out on certain people like I think Aesop Rock is an artist that kind of found that balance. Uh, not ASAP Rocky. A lot of people make that right. mistake, and it's Aesop Rock, AC. one of the greatest, one of the greatest rappers of all time. Um, but he, in his early career, was super abstract, super obscure, like to the point where you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about, dude?" And you listen to some of his stuff now, and it's much more like concise ideas and to the point and don't get me wrong it's still super abstract compared to other MCs but when you compare this sound from his early career to his new career he he found a little bit more of a catchy way of delivering his his material and I think you see the same thing with like LP um, who's in Run the Jewels Slug kind of the same way Brother Ali like a lot of these guys earlier in their careers they started off much more verbose and abstract and um, I oh, like wow. that like yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, but I think part of it too is they realize what works, like what hits the audience. You know, they're like, if I have a real catchy sounding song, like I don't have to have every song sound super catchy, but you know, if you got that Forrest Whitaker on your album, you know, everyone's gonna be bumping that track, even if it's only two and a half minutes long. So I think, I think I've tried to find that balance on some level. Like at first, I didn't have any hooks, like zero hooks, just long verses. And right. as much as as much as I like that, other people were kind of like, "What the fuck? Like, you just rap for ten minutes and don't stop." Like, where's the you gotta, song? You, you got to tie it all together, bro. So that's that's something I've been working on and uh, trying to find good hooks. You know, trying to trying to find a little bit more of a formula, but at the same time, not restricting myself to a sixteen bar verse or like. It has to be like 16 bar verse or 16 bar verse. Like all, sometimes there's some songs where the verses are different lengths, or maybe there's two, maybe there's three, maybe the chorus changes. Like I'm totally flexible with that, but I realize that there is a place for like um, having some kind of organization within your songs, and I think the audience appreciates that as well.
Oh, nice. Hell yeah, yeah man. I mean, yeah, that's, I'm just going to cut the, to Severed Stance. That's the newest track up on my SoundCloud, a, a beat that'll be used on the new album. Um, definitely a cool track, kind of a two, two-part track. Listen, make sure to play, play out the end of it because halfway through it kind of shifts and changes into something totally different. And a lot of my beats are kind of like that. I like to kind of make them almost like a story where um, there's, you know, a climax and... I, I really try to play with that kind of structure. Like, I think if you listen to most of my songs, you'll you'll see that kind of arc where, you know, it starts off and it takes off, then it reaches intensity and then kind of comes back down at the end. And I mean, most films are written this way. If you if you look at, uh, you know, a lot of great songs, they kind of take that shape as well. So kind of going back to that same idea, um, you know, I try to integrate that as well. Right. Yeah, I kind of noticed in that song when I was listening to it, it's like, it's super techie, but yet still <laughs> not. It's like very organic still at the same time, but you can hear that That's... it's like, uh, it's definitely a very, very computer, but it's uh, not at the same time. You did very good in picking your sound banks and getting everything set up. Those were uh, good choices and sounds. How long Thanks, does it man. take you to find those sounds? What do you do? Do you just sit there and click every kick drum until you find the kick drum? And then I mean, uh, that's what I, I mean, end up having to do. I've definitely got some saved. I've been trying to get a little bit more organized with that and like keep some of my favorite instruments easy to access. And it's pretty easy in Logic. You could just hit favorite and then filter by favorites and you kind of remember. There's other more complex things you can do to organize them, but sometimes I'll go through those sounds first because I know that I already like them. So I've got a few that kind of pop up on different songs and you'll hear that. But a lot of times, yeah, I do just kind of go through, I'll, I'll find some kind of a melody that I like or some kind of a, a harmony. And then I'll just scroll through all the different sounds and I'll listen to them one by one. And when I find something I like, I'll tweak it, try to make it different. And that's kind of a rule of thumb for me, like using the sounds that are provided on these programs is I always try to tweak it a little bit um, just to kind of make it my own. So I'll, I'll sometimes take like, you know, Logic's synthesizer, but then I'll run it through a couple filters and I'll, you know, add, you know, add an amp onto it and compress it and um, try to kind of make it my own because I don't want to just be using stuff straight out of the box. Right. But uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember your original question, but I think I, I think I answered it. <laughs> we were talking about your uh, song "Subverted Stance." Uh, what right, was the right. what was the motivation behind this song? Like, it's got a really cool vibe. Where did that vibe come from? Like, what was that day like? You know, honestly, man, at the time I was just trying to make something kind of like happy. Like, I, people have made the comment that my music is kind of like dark. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, on some level, it's like kind of badass, kind of cool. Like, oh, you got this dark sound. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be like known as like the dark guy. So I was really just trying to create like a happy song, like something really joyful. And I think that was actually the original title of the song was Joyous. And uh, <laughs> that's that's why it kind of starts off with like that really bouncy drum beat and that kind of super like funky guitar lick. And then from that, it evolves into maybe a darker ending. Um, but right. well, that's, that's I honestly I what, like I was, dark what I was going for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my favorite music is definitely in, in a minor key. You know, I think that's something concrete we could say about darker music. Like, say what you will. This is, this is happy. This is sad. There's major and minor. 
and the majority of my music is minor. So I think that's maybe where, where people get that. Um, ironically enough, I think Subverted Substance is still minor. Like I was, I was unsuccessful in creating like a major, a major song, but uh, I have the same. I, th problem. I think it's happy. I think it's a happy minor song. So, <laughs> um, and I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll play with some friends, and they're like, "What key is this in?" And I have to like check. And I'm not super classically trained. Like I can play piano and guitar and stuff but it's all by ear and stuff that i remember and eventually i'd like to get more into actually learning all the different scales and um i mean i know enough to be able to create music there's there's a ton of people that make music that don't know theory so i mean you don't it's, need to they, know they kind of they kind of go separate yeah i mean you can definitely you can only get so far i think with uh without knowing it like and that's why i'm trying to teach myself now like even just being able to talk about the difference between major and minor or know what key a song is and like you're moving in the right direction <laughs> you know you're getting closer to being able to understand that theory so i'm trying to learn al along the way um but at the same time i think if you're a hundred percent solely focused on theory and you never really just kind of let yourself experiment then maybe you're not going to be able to tap into some of that creative stuff because I, I remember when i was in piano le lessons and guitar lessons when i was a kid i mean granted i was like seven seven to fourteen or seven to fifteen but uh i didn't like the scales man i didn't like playing out of the book like i just i just like fucking around like i just liked kind of playing whatever making up my own songs and that was way more fun and i almost put the two in separate categories and as a kid you know as as an atheist as a jaded cynical young being i was uh i was i was definitely rejecting the classical music theory hardcore like i wanted to be a part of music but i wanted nothing to do with like classical music theory and then as i've gotten older i've realized oh that's actually kind of important and like you can only go so far without knowing that so that's why i'm kind of trying to teach myself now but i'm, I'm still cynical and jaded at heart <laughs> I think that comes with every musician. I think that's part of the game is that you end up becoming jaded, which is unfortunate. You know, like some of the, the more pop musicians, you know, like Kanye West, I mean, his early stuff was uh, fantastic. It, it was raw. It was from the heart. It was real. His new stuff is just like, you know. Yeah, wankster shit, you know, like, what the fuck is this wankster doing? <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting story. I think he's kind of like the perfect example of what, like, fame can do to you. Right, yeah, you and know, I think uh, that's it. one thing I don't want. I don't, I don't want that. That's not something I've ever wanted, you know? Yeah. I've met I, so many of those people, and it's just, they don't seem happy, right? Yeah, and I think of some of my favorite artists, and they're not that famous, you know, like they're not on the mainstream networks, and um, the people that really inspire me, um, I mean, they're they're notable folks, but definitely not on the Kanye West level. It's it's no. kind of it's kind of hard for me to like really look up to to people that have gotten to that point where. Um, you know, their entire life is, I don't know. I don't want to go off on a Kanye rant, but, uh, I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Right. Right. He's a, he's a little bit on the crazy yeah, side. I do like his early so, stuff for sure. Super talented dude. Definitely crazy fucking talented. Right. So, uh, are you going to be putting vocals on uh subverted stance? Yes. Yes. So the reason why there's no vocals on a lot of the tracks is just because I don't have a great recording setup where I feel like I can get a good cut. 
Um, most of the vocals I've recorded in a studio or I've paid someone to mic me. And that's nice for a lot of different reasons, not only the technical expertise, but also it allows me to just kind of focus on delivering the lyrics and not the whole recording side. But that's actually another thing that I'm trying to get into. Eventually, I'd, I'd like to be able to record myself just because you could save money and you could do a million takes and take the best one. When I go to the studio, a lot of times I'll take like five takes, you know, and it's like, all right, like you're you're paying for every minute you're here. You don't right. really want to keep doing it. You just got to kind of go with one after a while. So, um, yeah, eventually I'd like to put lyrics over all of the songs that I put out. But currently I'm able to get a pretty good cut off of just my laptop for the beats. So that's why I've just kind of been uploading beats to keep keep that flow of music coming but keep the uh, vibe coming yeah but i definitely do want to put lyrics over so my my plan for the new album this is something that i'm gonna try doing is uh i'm gonna finish it and then i'm gonna put out the instrumental album first because everyone puts out the instrumental album second and i just figured why not put it out first and the thing that i like about instrumentals electronic music that sort of thing is it's global it, it transcends language hip-hop is right. hip-hop's like you got to speak english or you know you, you have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to understand what the mc's saying and right. I, I like the fact that instrumentals electronic music like anybody anywhere in the world can appreciate that so that's why i think there will always be a place in my heart for instrumental music, music without lyrics, even though I consider myself a lyricist, I also love having just music in my arsenal where if you don't speak language that I speak, we could still speak this musical language together. So that's my plan with the new albums. I'm actually gonna put out an instrumental album to kind of get everyone excited. And then maybe like a couple weeks later, a month later, drop the actual album, which will have lyrics over all the instrumentals or over 90% of them, you know, maybe have keep one of the tracks as like an instrumental track, but that's kind of the plan for the new album. And uh, when I perform, I try to integrate that as well, because, you know, it's it's kind of tough to just rap for like an hour straight. So I'll, I'll, do, I'll do, you know, a couple songs, then maybe step away and just DJ on Ableton for a second, and let some people dance for a little bit, you know, give my voice a break. And uh, right. I think that's kind of a cool way to do the hip hop performance, because if you go to a hip hop show, you notice they're not rapping the whole time. You know, half the time no. they're just they're just talking. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, like I hate to say it, but like most of the big rappers I've seen, they're only on stage for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Like they'll come out like maybe an hour, maybe an hour 15 if they're like really pushing it. Like, I don't know what atmosphere does now. Like I haven't seen them in a while. They used to actually put on a pretty nice long show but like when i saw like wu-tang clan and nas and like um I'm trying to think who else like i think krs1 krs1 was only on stage for like an hour like most of these dudes don't play that long and i don't want to do that like i want to be able to play two sets i want to be able to you know play a full two three hours if people want to hear it so in order to do that you kind of have to have something other than your lyrics like i can't just be rapping three hours but if i have some instrumentals and a way to dj my tracks then i could go all night so that's kind of what i'm trying to do is find that balance and you know maintain that sound while i'm still producing the hip-hop you know kind of have have something that could potentially stand alone and also one of the reasons i spend so much time on these beats 
as uh, you know things that could stand alone. So um, yeah, on some level, it's kind of a test, just like throwing the beat out there on SoundCloud, seeing how people react, just because uh, you know that might be happening at a show potentially. If if I need a break from rapping, <laughs> right? Like in the movie world, they do shorts to uh, to let people see and hear a sample of what's coming out and then they'll do the short and then they'll do the full length feature afterwards. Yeah. I think what you're kind of going for is the same kind of idea. And I like that. That's kind of cool. So for yeah. it's the opposite direction, it's a lot longer for a performance and then it's going to be a nice short package on a CD, which is going to be really cool. Yep. So, um, you know, drifting wizard was a pretty cool song too. I was taking a listen to that. That was the one with the, with the little guitar sample on it, right? Yep. Yeah, I think that was a sample um, that I found within Logic and then did some pretty heavy editing on it. And that was actually a VST that I lost when my computer crashed. So that Drifting Wizard wizard cut like cannot be edited. The, the new cut does not have that really cool sounding sample. Uh, it's just the, 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 it's the sample without the effect, essentially. I've tried to kind of recreate it, but I can't do it as well. I probably just have to get the VST again. But yeah, that song's kind of cool. That one in Recovered Data, um, I used some effects that I ended up losing. So unfortunately, I can't really like master those tracks, but I still put them up there just because I really liked them. And that was a fun little little project. Yeah, both those tracks are pretty cool. I like the, uh, the sounds that you're going for. Like you were saying earlier, they're a little bit darker. I tend to like darker music myself. I think it's, I find it to be easier to get into like a place you know and so i i tend to listen to a lot more darker music myself so i like what you're doing don't let the people uh, tell you otherwise it, no for what sure you're doing is great oh yeah stuff. no i wasn't even gonna mention it but yeah just in response to your question about the the uh subverted substance song like thinking back to that original idea i was like i'm gonna go for something happy like i want to really make something that right. makes people feel happy and i think i think there is definitely a place for that like even though yeah a lot of the music i listen to is maybe a little bit more minor you know and not super bubbly um i still do really appreciate those happy bubbly songs you know from time to time even right. within within bands that aren't or artists that aren't like i think of uh a band like fish you know fish is kind of like my favorite band i've been listening to them since i was like 14 a lot of people hate a lot of people hate they're, <laughs> they're super talented motherfuckers so you got to give them some credit but uh, i'll give them credit but i'm not a big fan yeah no for sure i mean either way though they dip and dive into all these different genres and some of their songs are super dark like some of them are like scary and other ones are just like so happy and bubbly and like lighthearted that you know you feel like you're you're dancing on rainbows and unicorns so <laughs> you know there's there's definitely a place for that balance and i think some of the some of the best artists exist on a spectrum and you know they can they can tap into these different emotions and that's just how life is too right you know life right life is, absolutely uh, life has all those all those things so i try to put that into the music and I think also for me, music's always been an escape. And, you know, what is an escape? Escape's somewhere that you go, you know, when you're looking to get away. And if you think about that, I think it kind of makes sense why a lot of music 
deals with some of these more complicated emotions is because that's what's driving the artist to that place of creation is trying to make sense of those emotions, trying to put them into a creative endeavor that's going to give them a little bit more closure about the way that they're feeling. So I think that, yeah, the best music deals with those complex emotions, even if it's just instrumental, even if it's just sounds, you know, you could still feel the emotion in those sounds. definitely trying to trying to put as much intense emotion into my songs at the same time keeping them fun and lighthearted and trying to find that balance you know because uh ultimately people are going to see music going to live music to have fun you know to to party right. to get out to enjoy themselves so you know people are not going to a concert to explore 
like deep complex emotions generally like sometimes that ends up happening when you take certain drugs but you know most people are not going to a concert to uh tap into the depths of their soul you know they're they're coming to a concert to have a good time so you kind of want to provide that so that's kind of another thing that i've discovered is that like the live music experience is different than the album that you're creating. I mean, the album that I'm creating is something that I want people to sit down and listen to in its entirety, you know, with headphones or whatever, good speakers, like almost like a movie, you know, you want people to experience it. Um, the live experience, that's totally different. I mean, that you want that to be original each time. You want that to be exciting and fun and fast paced and, a lot of times I won't even necessarily perform the full song. You know, if it's a seven minute song, if it's an eight minute song, I might only do three or four minutes of it. Um, so that's the other kind of cool thing within this is, is figuring out how do I want to take my beats and transfer them into the live music experience and what's the best way to organize my songs within a set and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like you like to get a little uh, a little more spiritual with your vibe on it. And that's really cool because I feel like that's a uh, an important aspect that's being missed in a lot of music today is the the spiritual connection. You know, like you you're supporting it right now with your hat. You got like the flower of life on your yep. hat. You know? and, oh yeah. And and I'm you know as a sound guy, I'm really thoroughly interested in a lot of this stuff. You know, uh, there's a uh, the solfege. Uh, Frequencies, which are known to be like uh, helpful in many different ways, spiritual and holistically, and you know all these other things. I don't know if you've uh, done any research in it, but if you play those frequencies onto a platter, they create geometric shapes, and they also like at, at certain intensities they'll. Uh, uh, penetrate the body and reform things like your DNA. Supposedly, I, you know, I don't know. I believe it. If you if you put your mind over matter, anything's possible. So, do you find that you know? Do you get into like a really spiritual place or super emotional? And do you like like create an environment so that when you're writing these songs that this environment happens and you're able to just recreate it or do you find that you get that from say some event that happened i think i just kind of try to you know create a life that's that's conducive to those moments of creation but in terms of my actual like writing process and stuff i don't do as much as i should in terms of like priming myself and, and getting ready i kind of just like take the time as it comes and you know if i got time to sit down and work on music hopefully i have inspiration if i have inspiration hopefully i have time um but i think it is cool to you know have little practices you know little spiritual practices whatever it is even if it's super simple even if it's just meditating for a few minutes every few days you know even if you're not able to integrate it into a daily practice and uh and also being being open to like a spectrum of practices like for me disc golf is a practice or snowboarding is a practice you know that's a way to get out get into that flow state turn off my mind and also just like going to live music you know being a part of that community and dancing you know and getting carried away in the act of dancing you know that that could also be something that's uh, part of the spiritual experience so i think that my interpretation of 
you know, living a life that's a little bit more spiritual is like encompassing all these different things that I love and just kind of looking at them in a more holistic way and like kind of giving thanks to all the different things that have become a part of my life, all these different skills that I've acquired and all the different interests that I've come about. But um, going back to the whole like sacred geometry thing, the, the flower of life, that that sort of thing, that I didn't stumble onto until I was like 24, 25. Um, when I, and I'm 30, 30 now, I'm turning 31 in a couple months. Um, so it's only been about five, six years that I've really been aware of, of that whole side of information and in, instantly, uh, just, just kind of got hooked. Like I, I went to Sonic Bloom, saw the, the unified field theory talk by, uh, Jamie Jan over. And I was just like, holy shit, this is like the coolest thing ever. And went home and spent all summer researching aliens and, it, uh, you know, it kind of spiraled into conspiracy theories and, and that sort of thing. But in the beginning, you know, it's this really beautiful moment where you stumble across this whole new way of looking at the world. And um, for me, like sacred geometry, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that it's one thing or another thing. It's just an image that speaks to me. And, you know, who knows exactly what it what it's represented for different people throughout time. But with the flower of life, I think it's really cool because they found it all throughout time in these different cultures. And they say it's kind of an ancient religious symbol, but it exists within all these different religions. And um, I think most people that look at it for a minute will just be like, wow, that's a really cool symbol. Like it's just It just looks pretty sweet and it speaks to people. So um to get deeper into like the whole sacred geometry and like the science of it and like why that's important kind of gets more into like chemistry and um like the platonic solids being uh you know present in the makeup of molecules and atoms and, and that sort of thing where if you look at life on a really small level you'll find these geometrical forms and that geometry is kind of the, the thing that holds everything together so that's, I guess, kind of like a basic understanding of why I'm into it is, you know, for some of the more like, like metaphysical, you know, transformational stuff, but also just for like the science of it. It's really cool when you look into the science of this uh, geometry and kind of what it could represent on like a molecular level. Um, and I'm, I've, be, I've been getting more and more interested in that as I've been getting older as well. I've been becoming, becoming a lot more interested in science and I think now it's just easier to tap into the interesting information. Like when you're when you're younger in school, like it could be real hard to find that super interesting nugget of information that's gonna like make you wanna research stuff. But I feel like nowadays it's just so much easier to find that really interesting book, find that really interesting article, find that really interesting video or documentary. And it's allowing us to explore these complex ideas in ways that we weren't really able to in the traditional educational system and I'm not necessarily dissing school I think there's totally a place for school really for the community more than anything um, I think that it's super important to just be around peers you know people your age people learning together growing together um, but at the same time I kind of now look back at like my my college years kind of like man I could have done that different so I think I think as we get older, it's it's kind of cool how we get interested in different things. And for me, uh, like sacred geometry and the sciences behind that, and um, also you know other sciences have become a lot more interesting as I've gotten older. 
I'm cultivating cannabis now too as a, for a living. So I think that could potentially have something to do with it because that's like a lot of different sciences. It's, you know, mostly chemistry, but plant sciences, you know, horticulture, right. botany, that, that sort of thing is, is huge into it as well. So um, yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm becoming more of a Renaissance man. I'm not, I'm not just right brain anymore. <laughs> right, that's pretty awesome. So uh, tell me more about like uh, what you do. You know, I'm I'm uh, in the same booming industry. I'm on the sales side of it, but uh, yeah, you know, the industry here in Colorado is huge. You're you're still uh, you're out in Fort Collins, right? No, I'm 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 in the Denver area. I live in Evergreen. Denver area. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like right outside yeah. Denver. So uh, yeah, so I started working in the industry back in 2012. Um, I just met a guy who owned a dispensary and he's like, Hey, if you ever need work, uh, we're always looking for trimmers. And it was actually right at the time that I was, uh, ending my AmeriCorps program. I was in AmeriCorps. So I was doing like a, a leadership and conservation crew where we were building trails and, um, helping people save electricity in their homes, but we were also making minimum wage. So I got done with this program. I had zero money saved up and I'm not going to call my mom and ask her for money. So I hit up my buddy. I'm like, hey, man, you, you need help trimming. And this is back when uh, you didn't need a badge to work in the industry. Like you could literally just show up and they'll just pay you cash. Huh. So right. I started doing that. And um, about one to two weeks into trimming, uh, the guys that were running their grow broke into the grow, stole a bunch of plants and dipped out. So they essentially lost their grow team like overnight. So they came into the trim room. They're like, hey, we need help in the grow. Who wants to help out? Yeah. I'd been in for like a week. I'm like, I'll help and started working in the garden and really kind of just fell in love with it. Like I'd never done anything like that for a job. I mean, coming in, working for eight hours a day and literally just gardening, you know, transplanting plants, taking clones, you know, doing pruning, you know, moving the plants from room to room um getting involved with that whole cultivation side so i stayed with that company for a couple of years worked my way all the way up to a manager position and then um since then i've worked for three other companies currently working for um, one of the biggest companies in the state and uh working at their grow house which is one of the biggest grow houses in the state so i feel like i'm doing decent um you know i i think eventually in the long run I don't know if I want to work in a warehouse every day. I mean, it's it's cool being right. around plants and stuff, but I think that my goals for um, you know my career in the cannabis industry is not necessarily working in the grow house every single day. Um, it's been really cool learning that over the last five years, and that's definitely what I'm going to be doing for the foreseeable future. But um, eventually, what I'm I'm hoping to do this is this is kind of my idea is to do. Um, more of like an online consulting type thing where I'm providing consulting services and courses for people all over the globe, for people that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to be located in Colorado and I could help you grow. Because um, I think what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to have the ability to cultivate cannabis, but they aren't necessarily going to have the resources to figure out how to do it and how to do it well. And even within that, you know, how to find the style that they're looking for, because there's so many different ways of doing this. So I want to team up with other individuals who are growing in different ways and kind of create a collective, uh, you know, community of growers that shares information, shares knowledge, and then delivers that to the global community of growers and is kind of like a one-stop shop for people who 
want to learn how to cultivate cannabis online. So um, my, you know, my five-year plan, my 10-year plan is creating this uh, decentralized uh, autonomous organization of cannabis growers that shares information and, you know, upvotes down stuff, upvotes good stuff and downvotes bad stuff, you know, almost like a really legit uh, forum because most weed growing forums are pretty bad. Like it's really hard to find good objective information in there. Yeah, it's um, really hard to find any information on there. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's got their own opinions about what works. So let's combine all those opinions, figure out what works, and then, you know, value those individuals for their contributions to the network. So that's kind of like what I would eventually like to do is, is something like that. But I realized that in order to do that, I have to have the credentials, I, you know, in order to make these connections right. with, with other people and to actually put this plan into action, I have to kind of look good on paper because there's a lot of people that know how to grow cannabis, but they aren't necessarily doing it legally in the industry. And you kind of just have to take their word for it. You know, you kind of just have to trust them that, that, that they're telling you the truth in terms of the knowledge and not saying self-taught. Um, growers aren't good growers, but I think it can just be a lot harder to um, get, you know, business opportunities, in, you know, in this new cannabis marketplace. If, if the it's all about thing, who you know. Yeah, and also to, you know, to be able to show people, hey, I've worked worked for this company for this many years. Right. You know, I've, I've held this position. I think that um, like any other industry, like people want to see a resume and they don't just want your resume to say home grower. So, you know, even right. though I think that home grows are great and i you know pretty much exclusively smoke home grow weed that my buddies grow because it's way better than dispensary weed and i would encourage other people to support their friends that are growing good weed and not you know shop at a shitty dispensary that's selling ounces for you know 90 bucks because uh you know occasionally you're going to find some really good stuff at dispensaries but in general a lot of these places are just churning out the product and, uh, you know, a lot of us that work in the industry kind of recognize that. And it's just the, it's the reality of working in a cash crop business where, um, billions there's, well, and there's not as much incentive for quality. I mean, people aren't really demanding it. Um, people just kind of want to buy as cheap of weed as they can get. And that's what they're getting essentially. Right. You get what you pay for. That's uh, for damn sure. Yeah. I find that, um, I, I'm starting to have like an issue with the over commercialization like uh, you know I see your uh, your mug and I, I see Leafly and I'm like mm, you don't like Leafly <laughs> uh, well the whole idea of it just uh, commercializes the industry right and, I mean it's all right and it's a good thing um, I just feel like uh, I, I found a, a couple of podcasts that I've been listening to, and it sounds like the industry is going into the pharmaceutical world where it doesn't belong. Like, this industry doesn't belong in the pharmaceutical hands. Yeah. Like, they've already destroyed other positive things. They don't need to destroy this, you know? Yeah, I think they're going to try, for sure. I don't know if pharmaceutical is really going to be able to take over cannabis in the way that they'd like to. Um, but I think the thing that would maybe support that idea is that we're seeing a huge shift towards concentrates. And, you know, now a lot of people are having a hard time um, 
cultivating flour and making that profitable because so many people are just dabbing. So if you think about that, I mean, that's prime for pharmaceutical companies, just extract it, put it in its purest form and and sell people 99.9% THC with a little bit of terpenes. And I mean, that's essentially what people want right now. So I think I've always been telling people we need to create a market for quality cannabis. Like the reason why organic produce exists in the stores is because people want to eat organic. Like, like I want to eat organic people. People want to see that when they go into the store. If we don't demand organic cannabis, if we don't demand quality cannabis, if we don't go into our dispensaries and say like, I'm not going to buy that because it smells like shit and you know, it doesn't taste good or whatever, um, we're not going to see it. And I understand a lot of people can't make this differentiation. Like a lot of people have never really seen quality cannabis, but I think now it's becoming a little bit more prevalent and uh, we got to find that quality. We got to pump it up. We got to we got to value it. We have to um, support the people that are really trying to enhance the quality of the product that's out there. Um, and, you know, one of the other cool things I'll say about cannabis is I just listened to this podcast and now they're doing a lot of like uh, genome sequencing in relation to cannabis and finding out how um, based on your genome, like you can get like a 23 and me test and give that to someone who's a specialist in, you know, cannabis genomes, which there's only a few of them, but I mean, it's becoming a bigger thing. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll start doing it. But uh, I just listened to a podcast with this guy, David Krantz, and it was incredible. He was talking about how, you know, this is the reason why some people don't like smoking weed. This is the reason why some people don't have a good time when they get high is because that particular strain is affecting their genome differently and that there's certain strains that are going to be better for different individuals. And I think this is something that we kind of know, like this guy likes indica, this guy likes sativa, you know, Casey really likes his sour diesel. Mike really likes his gorilla glue. You know, like we, we get that, but the reason why is because of our genome. It's because we all have an endocannabinoid system, but we all have different endocannabinoid systems. And some of us have higher levels of different endocannabinoids. So this is going to be really cool and really exciting when we're actually able to tap into this because I think we're not too far away from everyone knowing their 23andMe, every doctor integrating it. I mean, I think within the next couple decades, everybody's going to have their genome sequence that can afford, you know, a $20 test. It's going to get cheap. It's going to get easy. We're going to get educated and we're going to be able to find out which strains work best for us. And I think just, you know, for anyone that really appreciates cannabis, like recognizing this and understanding how this works allows you to kind of like understand where some people are coming from when they say like, I'm not a fan of weed. I don't like the way that it's made me feel. It's like, that is true for some people. It's, it does not create as much of a desirable effect. Um, and although you can't overdose on it, you can't die on it still, it can produce some undesirable effects in certain individuals. So I think it's really important to recognize that. And I'm just really excited by some of this genetic sequencing that's going on and just some of the science that's coming out. I think it's really cool that we're finally allowed to study this plant on a level that we haven't been able to for so long with prohibition. So, um, it'll be really cool to see what happens and how that affects the industry. But back to your original question, I don't think the pharmaceutical companies are going to take it over. I think they're totally going to try to have a hand in it, but I think it's going to be really hard for anyone to, you know, take away the gardener, to take away the farmer, to take away the the actual cultivation of the plant itself. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, do you, you do have a CD that you are working on though, right? Correct. I do. 
So when does that get released? Uh, no date set yet. I'm kind of shooting for the summer, the fall, sometime this year for sure. I've been saying that for like the last two years, but I'm finally getting to a point where um, I've got like five tracks that are all mixed and I've uh, got a couple more I still need to mix and master and then record the vocals. So I'm, I'd say I may be like, you know, a third to halfway done with the project. I'm pretty confident I can finish it this year. So that's kind of what I'm shooting for. I want to kind of drop a bunch of music on people all at once. I've been sleeping for a little bit in terms of not really delivering to, you know, the people that have been supporting my sound and, you know, partially because I've been getting really into this career path that I've chosen. But, uh, you know, at the same time, recognizing that it's kind of powerful when you can like drop a bunch of stuff at once. So that's going to be really fun right. putting out, you know, eight, nine, 10 tracks and seeing what people think and then doing the double album where it's the instrumentals first and and then the actual album. So yeah, shooting for some time this year, definitely, uh, you know, follow my Facebook page or my SoundCloud and I'll definitely uh, keep everyone updated on there. But that's kind of the goal. Do you have any uh, uh, shows lined up for the future? Uh, currently, I do not have any shows lined up. Um, there's a couple people that I've been sitting in with a little bit so maybe potentially get something going with them but yeah nothing on the docket currently i've just kind of been grinding away on this album um it's kind of hard when you're doing an album and working at the same time to do anything else yeah i i find it hard to even find time for this i've got two jobs now working at a, a dispensary and at the theater it's just like Oh, when do I find time? We had, we had to squeeze this in in as much time as we could get. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show today because, uh, you know, I want to keep consistent. I think consistency in life is important. So I want to get one of these released every week. Definitely. You know, and I, I really appreciate you coming out. So. Absolutely, man. It's been real fun talking to you and uh, definitely appreciate you having me on the podcast. It's been cool kind of diving into the music. It's not every day that I really get to discuss it in this much depth and uh, definitely got a lot of respect for what you're doing over there and getting this podcast going. I, I think I, I told you I'm thinking about maybe starting one someday. I've got so many little projects that I want to start. And a podcast is one of them. I absolutely love podcasts. So it's an honor to be on your podcast. This is the first time I've been on one too. So um, thank you for, you know, letting me, letting me be your guest and giving me my first podcast experience. It's been really cool. Living low, got a daddy fishing flow out on any given show. Any penny pinching, focus, focus, showmanship is bogus. I to open up a cone man's mind with emotion. Feeling fully loaded with a bone to pick. Yo, this life is fully coated and I'm closing in. And I'm closing in. Yo, this life is color coded and I'm closing in. That's why I'm closing in. Yo, this life is color coded and I'm closing in. Closing in. Out and searching out a way that I can help this spread through word of mouth. 
I've got a purpose now I'm a wordsmith empowered with an urgent sound Because I want to get us lifted to a level where we open up our lives to commitment You happen to be a genius who is treated like a misfit I happen to be the mediating factor of mischief It's halfless and close in, halfless debate 100% help retell the stories we create Part of it we do so we can feed the brain Part of it we use to help alleviate the pain Yo, it's halfless and close in, halfless debate 100% help retell the stories we create Part of it we use so we can beat the brain Part of it we use to help alleviate the pain Started with the concept and grew into a movement Blossoming with progress that will bottle up the new shit Power stock is occupied, the bottom line is useless Out of pocket, out of time, and not confined to music It's like the organized confusion and borderline abusiveness That's sort of my amusement Fortified reclusive And I'm just glad that what I found brought conclusions Got a lunatic imagination that would drive the average brain insane Leave me drained from the daily escapades Lays the brain to the proposition swayed Between a pendulum reaction and a wild goose chase well, I've been witnessing progression in the distant realm As we're exhibiting acceptance of a mystic spell Something inhibiting and segregating in itself Dropped a levitating thought down a wishing well Then it floated forward towards the bottom And became a part of every other fantasy Forgotten, like a ghost slips away into the night As we all search for footsteps that lead us to nirvana And everybody's looking for a shortcut Instead of making choices, taste the feelings deep in your gut That's the intuition, dog, call it heart, call it love, call it drug, call it I don't give a fuck, yo Half listen close in, half it's debate 100% help we tell the stories we create Part of it we do so we can feed the brain Part of it we do so we can help alleviate the pain Yo, it's half listen close in, half it's debate 100% help we tell the stories we create Part of it we do so we can feed the brain Part of it we use to help alleviate the pain With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.